success is 80% mindset, 20% mechanics, right? And so for the doubter thinking like, oh, you know, mindset isn't important. Great. Convince yourself before your next sales call that that person already hates you and won't buy from you no matter what. If you say, hey, I can still do it. Okay. I challenge you to do that. Go in there with a failure mindset and see how hard it is to walk out with a success. It just doesn't work. Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Sean Ireton, and this is the New Inspiration Extraordinary Gentleman podcast. I've got someone on the show today who is one of the most intelligent guys I've ever met. He's driven, he's successful, uh, he's doing so many different things, and he's just an absolute pleasure. His name is Dan Mendelo, and I had the pleasure of meeting this gentleman uh, a while back for the Lifestyle Hackers event. It was a three-day conference, and it was uh, one of the most amazing events that I have ever been to. Um, so honestly, it's super awesome to have you on, Dan. Thank you so much for coming. Hey, Sean. Thanks for having me, man. That was a hell of an intro. I hope I live up to it on this podcast. Um, yeah, man, it was, it was a pleasure to meet you at the event. That thing was so much fun, right? Dude, so much fun. And yeah, you know, I'm really looking forward to this. Awesome, man. Well, I'm looking forward to it, too. Um, and for the listeners, for you guys, uh, stay tuned till the very end of the episode, because I've got a special surprise for you uh, from Dan. So stay tuned for that. Um, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be going over your origin story, Dan. I want to get into that a little bit and kind of see where you came from, why you do what you do, things like that. Um, and then not just tell your story, but I want you to debunk some of these improper notions about the ideas behind mindset and, uh, provide some actionable insights on improving your mindset. So, um, before we jump into the good amount of questions that I have for you today, let's go ahead and start with your origin story, man. Like, how'd you, where are you from? Like where, you know, how did you start this journey? Like, how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, sure. So you'd never guess it by listening to me or looking at me. Um, but I was actually born in Jerusalem, Israel, and I was raised in New Jersey. And, uh, you know, like some people are, I don't know, born happy. Some people are born, you know, kind of crazy. I was born depressed and it was, it was really just from the very get go. And, uh, you know, being, a foreigner, you know, I had an Israeli accent back then. That was my first language. I spoke Hebrew. My English was terrible. And, you know, kids aren't that nice to people who look and sound like them. You know what I mean? So try being like very different. Um, And so that really didn't help much, you know, from the very beginning of my life, I felt like I was out of place. I felt like I wasn't, you know, like the rest of people. And uh, for a long time, I always felt like I was just weird. And, you know, kids didn't want to play with me and they kind of picked on me. And I have some really vivid memories of um, some people being really nasty, you know, and I was just trying to make friends. And at what I was, I don't think I was even four when I came home one day and I was just sick of it. I was sick of being singled out for it. And I told my mom that I just wanted to be like everyone else. And so I would stop speaking Hebrew so I could focus just on English. And I never really spoke Hebrew after that. And that set up a pattern of me feeling like I had to be someone different, something different, that what I was was wrong or bad and that I was an outcast. And, you know, I was picked on for all of the rest of my school career, you know, uh, elementary and middle school, just as bad as me trying to fit in and just having it blow up in my face at every turn, you know, even if it's simple, you know, you get this, I'm sure. Um, I was made fun of for what I looked like, right. You know how important image is and, you know, 
<laughs> coming from an Israeli family back then, as well as now, you know, they wear a little bit more like Metro. I don't even know if that's a word anymore. Maybe I just dated myself. Uh, they you know, wore like tighter clothes. So I wore tighter clothes and I was ridiculed for that. And then I bought baggier clothes and I was ridiculed because I gave in and it was like, damned if I do, damned if I don't, I was pretty much screwed no matter what. And I had maybe like three people I could call my friends until high school where the person I thought was one of my best friends, you know, the one person who I could tell everything to who wouldn't use it against me, turned on me and convinced everybody he knew to pick on me as well. You know, bully me, steal my things, tear up my books um, for you know, a whole year, I was that kid who ate lunch by himself every day, um, just angry as hell because my depression kept me locked in my head. I didn't really know how to interact with people. And frankly, I hated them. You know, I hated everybody around me. I hated myself. Um, I, at that point, um, around 14, 15, I grew nearly a foot in a month. Uh, which was the most excruciating pain I'd ever been in my entire life. Um, and it stretched me out. So now I was six foot two, the same height I am now. And I weighed about 135 pounds. You know, I was like a walking popsicle, like a walking lollipop. Like I just was a twig and my joints hurt. My doctors told me that I'd never be athletic, that I'd always have joint pains for the rest of my life. They weren't totally wrong on that one, but that I'd never be able to pack on muscle. I'd never, because my joints wouldn't be able to take it. Add on acne and braces and everything. And that was like the perfect storm of a kid just hating himself. And so I started smoking weed, you know, to try to escape from that. And I found, you know, alcohol in college um, and quickly learned that if I just got drunk enough, I wouldn't care about anything anymore. Um, and there also still trying to fit in, trying to make friends, trying to, have, you know, date, trying to just be happy for a single freaking day. You know, something that seems so easy for so many other people to just have friends, right? Um, that was like impossible for me. And, uh, you know, by then I was drinking until I blacked out almost every weekend. And, uh, you know, never mind how bad those Sunday hangovers were. But uh, I got to a point where I really couldn't take it anymore. And I remember being in my college dorm room thinking about, you know, as I saw it then, my two choices, which was either deal with the fact, accept that I was, you know, a weird loser, like everybody told me I was, and just accept, come to terms with the fact that I was never going to be happy, or have great friends, or even have fun, you know, that was just like off limits to me, I was going to live this shitty life for the rest of my life, whatever, or uh, end it. <laughs> you know, or kill myself. Um, and the next morning I woke up, you know, and that's a weird thing. You know, when that kind of thing happens to you, when you actually start really considering ending your life, it's a shock. That's a surprise. At least it was for me. It totally caught me off guard. I did not think that I was capable of that. Thank God I was too scared to do anything about it. Um, and it kind of woke me up. And, you know, I had that thought in my mind where it's like, you know, this is completely unacceptable. I can't, this can't be where I'm at. I had, there has to be another option. So I started learning, right? I, I started studying the brain because I thought that something was wrong with me, right? And I thought that yeah, maybe if I could figure out why my brain is leading me to interpret the world as being a horrible place full of pain and darkness, Whereas someone else's, maybe your brain, interprets the world as something full of sun and happiness and love, then maybe I could figure it out. 
And that didn't help. Um, so I started studying psychology, you know, classical psychology, Freud and Jung and behavioral and, you know, child psychology. And, and that gave me a little bit of a clue. But then I realized like, okay, well, now I have a, all this knowledge, but what the hell do I do with it? You know, or it's like, great. There's something screwed up in my brain. I can't just make it stop, right? I can't just tell myself to be different. I tried that my whole life. It didn't work. Why would it work now? And so then I started really getting weird, like actually strange. Like I started studying hypnosis or neuro-linguistic programming and timeline therapy. Uh, I went on this journey that literally took me around the world studying from coaches and, and gurus in India and – uh, working on myself with every transformational method I could find. And I started chipping away at things and I started gradually, you know, reducing my anxiety, reducing my depression, making friends, you know, dating and changing my body. And I started getting really good at this whole transformation thing, really figuring out the mind and understanding like, okay, this is what's happening. This is how I change it. This is what I do. And there was a, a tipping point in, um, in Thailand at a meditation retreat after having steadily built up and feeling even better and even better and even better. And, you know, you know, thinking that there was hope, and at this meditation retreat, there was a moment that it just felt like a weight finally lifted, um, where it felt like I could breathe again. Like I had been holding my breath my whole life and finally I could breathe and I felt my depression leave. Um, I cured my depression. Something, by the way, that people still tell me that cannot be done. You cannot cure uh, chemical depression without drugs. They still try to convince me that it never happened or that I'll slip. Haven't yet, and I won't. Um, but that was the moment that it, boom, gone. And after that, I turned my, you know, the same methods onto my business and my social life and my body. And soon I was running, you know, five minute miles and deadlifting 400 pounds. I had an active, fun dating life. I had great, inspiring, energetic, awesome friends who supported me everywhere. And I built a six figure business in six months. You know, I changed my entire life using this system and I keep doing it, right? I keep doing the work on myself. And ever since then, I felt the need the drive to give back to, to life, you know, that it was really important to me to find a way to use this, not just for myself, but to help other people and to help them grow, especially the people who have tried other methods like me and thought that maybe they were broken or maybe they got stuck and couldn't do anything about it or, you know, their smarts like mine ran out and just weren't going to help them anymore. And I get to fill my days with helping entrepreneurs grow their businesses now and rekindle their, their social lives or their love lives or just falling in love with themselves and their lives again. And it's the best thing I've ever gotten to do. It's the best thing in my life and I get to do it every day. Now you've told this story before and, um, and this is the story that you told at lifestyle hackers. And, um, I like this version a lot, by the way, <laughs> Thanks. but I'm curious, like where, how long did it take you? What was the time span between realizing like, Oh shit, like having that epiphany moment where like, wow, I, I didn't think I was capable of contemplating suicide. Mm -hmm. Like what was the time frame between that? And when you felt like you completely cured it and then in that time frame, like what were your thought processes? Were you thinking like uh, still contemplating suicide here and there and then resisting the urge? Like, did it feel like a dichotomy between two personalities was like, how, how was all that happening? And, and what were you going through during that time? Yeah. So the whole process took me 13 years uh, because I kind of did it myself. Right. I mean, I, I didn't know, what was out there. I didn't know how to look for help. Um, I didn't know anything about the transformation world really to start. So I had to learn my way through. I didn't know about hypnosis or I didn't, I had never heard of NLP before. Um, you know, I knew that Tony Robbins existed, but I didn't 
really know what to do with that information. You know what I mean? And I didn't think that going to a workshop could help me cure this thing that everyone told me could not be cured at all. Um, and yeah, man, it wasn't a straight shot. I mean, nothing really is in life. Right. So I was, you know, making some progress here and there and thought I was on a good one and boom, something would happen and take me down. You know, I would have this sudden sort of come to Jesus realization that I had this other segment of my life to deal with. I'd have a nasty breakup or, um, you know, I'd get into a fight with someone who would just put up this mirror to me, whether it was real or not, but, you know, showed me that like, okay, I'm not really all I thought I was, you know, there's kind of a lot more because I had to deal with it, man. I had to, I had to deal with an overactive ego, right? Because I overcompensated when I was super depressed and everybody, you know, was picking on me. I had to come up with a defense mechanism, right? But then I had to crack through that. I had to break my ego down. Um, and that's a really hard process. And every once in a while, you know, I'd look at my life and I'd compare it, right? Hop on social media as you do. And you look at all everybody else, you know, then I was, <clears throat> there was one time where I was still working in an aerospace company in corporate America, you know, wearing a monkey suit every day and working for someone else's building somebody else's dream, you know, feeling like my life didn't have any meaning. Like what was the point of going to work? What? So I could pay the bills. So what? So I can get drunk on the weekend. So what? What's that? And I saw all my friends having a great time and they were all closer to each other than I was. And again, you know, I started slipping and it wasn't really a slip. It was more like I was realizing what I, I didn't yet do, what I hadn't yet worked on. And it just, sometimes those realizations came really hard and fast. And that would be like, Oh crap. You know, it fell on me like like a ton of bricks, thinking like all this work. And now again, I feel like I have nothing, you know? And then I would have, yeah, man, I had some really hard nights where like there was one night uh, in California, I think when I was like 27, 28, where I came really close. Like that was a really bad night. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, what kicked it off there was just like social stuff. I just felt like I had a group of people around me who weren't really my tribe. I wasn't really close with any of them. The only time that I really had fun was when I was drunk or on drugs. I just had a nasty breakup. So, you know, that didn't really help me out. Um, but, you know, sometimes that happens, you know, with... You know, my, my theory of personal evolution is almost like um, like martial arts. You know, you start off as a white belt and you get really good. And now you're like the best white belt. You got a lot of confidence, right? Then they, you know, they promote you to yellow belt. But then all of a sudden you're getting your ass handed to you by all the yellow belts. And you think, ah, I suck. Why do I suck? I used to be so good. This is terrible, right? But it's it's not right. You're looking at different things. You're comparing yourself to different people. You're yeah. in a different place in your yep. life and your your perspective is different. And I didn't know that. So I do a lot of work and I would feel really good. And by the way, this happens to all like almost all of my clients as we go through the process. I think, oh, I'm backsliding. I was feeling so great. And now, boom. Um, and then we find out that no, 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 you just gave yourself a promotion. You're looking at things very differently from an even higher level. But you don't go from being the best in the lower level to being the best immediately at the higher level. You know, you rarely ever go from being the best white belt to being the best black belt in one day. Um, more likely or not, you're going to be faced flat on the ground for a long time before you get yourself back up and going. And um, I started learning that and then started being able to identify what was going on and when I needed help. And the thing also there was that I, I started uh, finding coaches. You know, there's a limit to how much you can do yourself. And the unconscious mind has evolved over millions of years to make sure that you can't see everything inside of it. Because if you did, you'd go insane. You know, if you really saw all of your doubts, all of your fears, all of the things you don't want to be, all of the things you've done, all of the things you're doing, all the things you're not, maybe all the things you are all at one time, because you could look inside of your own mind, you'd have a very short and uncomfortable life. 
I'm convinced of that. It's a self-defense mechanism that we all need. Um, and so when I learned about that, I just started reaching out, you know, I'd, I'd find a coach, I'd find an NLP coach, I'd find a hypnotherapist, someone like that. It's like, Hey, I don't know what the hell's happening with this. Help me, help me see what's there. Um, and they would, you know, they'd show me and help me clear it. And then I had a lot of techniques that I could use myself right. to support that. And that fast tracked everything. Um, and the moment that I started doing that was the moment that I, I, you know, if I didn't do that, I don't know if I would have ever finished that journey. Um, but I was able to compress what would have taken me years on my own into months or if not weeks with a coach. And that's what really helped me dig out. Um, and you know, now I have four coaches, <laughs> so because I have no patience for that kind of stuff, you know. I'm like, f that. I don't have another 13 years to feel even better. Like, <laughs> right, right. No, no, no. You know, if I'm moving up to like black belt level, I'm gonna get four coaches to help me get on the ground and start kicking butt now. Yeah. Um, and so that's you know that's what was you know a really important step in that evolution. You know, it's funny as I uh, use the the taekwondo. Uh, analogy there and i literally mm -hmm. literally went through that i was in taekwondo as a child and cool and went through that process so that's cool but um that's and that's basically why i started my business too it's just i i had gone through a lot of those uh similar situations as yourself growing up and um i was i was more of the opposite of you rather it was more like uh almost 300 pounds and mm -hmm. didn't have a lot of friends. I had my close knit group of friends. Um, but I went through a lot of those struggles and the way the clothes that I was wearing was oversized and baggy to try to hide my weight because I wasn't comfortable about it. And I was just really going through a lot of the same issues that you were, where it was just feeling like you didn't really have too many people around you that, that cared, even though you do, like there are some things where you're just like, Oh yeah, I have my parents. I have maybe one or two friends that really care about me, but you still feel like you not supported. you still feel like you're not loved in some ways. And, um, sure. And going through that entire process that you did where it was like 13 years and things like that. It's kind of like what I went through in terms of like my style and my image and how I approach things like that. So it's you and I have a very similar perspective on that of, of trying to condense all that we learned in that long period of time down to a very mm -hmm. short amount of time that we can provide to our <laughs> clients. So right. uh, that's, it's really cool. And, I did want to ask you a question though, and this is a question that I've had since the Lifestyle Hackers event. Did you mm -hmm. did you ever get back in touch with that old friend from high school that betrayed you? Was there did you guys ever reconnect and kind of um you know him apologize or you guys reconcile anything like did anything like that ever happen you know i tried because i went to see a guy named john diamartini um who is he's not for everyone he's got a very particular style but he is just one of the most amazing minds i've ever come across anywhere um and uh, I was with him for two days when he, he taught what he calls the breakthrough process, where you can come to sort of equanimity on anything, um, where you look at – because his, his major point in that workshop was that, you know, life is not about trying to get highs because whenever we do, when we're artificially high – we try to artificially inflate ourselves like with positive thinking. That's why positive thinking doesn't really work, right? You ever try to think positively? What happens next? Negative thoughts, right? Because for every for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Life wants to balance out, right? And so when we're artificially low, life will come and support us up. When we're artificially high, life will come and pull us down. Um, and I found that, right? When, when my ego was too big, yeah, I would get a really ugly shot. Um, but whenever I was really, really, really low, something would kick in, whether it's a voice from myself or from someone else that would help me up. And so his whole thing was a process that would allow you to look at anything or anybody and then instead of feeling hurt by it or crushed by it, come to a point where 
it's okay. Like that's true forgiveness, by the way. True forgiveness is not saying, hey, you did this effed up thing to me, but eh, I'm over it. Right. You know, that's not forgiveness. That's not forgiveness at all. That's like you sweeping it under the rug. Real forgiveness is admitting deep down from your heart that nothing wrong was done. Hmm, interesting. That there was nothing to forgive. And so I got to that point and I really wanted to reach out to him at that point. You know, first of all, I wanted to test myself, um, but also I, I wanted to, I wanted to see if I could find him and just connect with him and not even for him. And just to say like, Hey man, thank you for doing that. You pushed me into a life that I would have not have had otherwise, you know, you didn't know it at the time. I <laughs> took a long time to realize it, but you know, it's the people who hurt you the most in your life who are responsible for making you who you are. I'm convinced of that because you know, the people like, yes, the people who support you help you along your way. Certainly. But I think it's the people who hurt you. Maybe it's if, even if it's just you hurting yourself that push you to grow more than you would have ever grown otherwise because you wouldn't have needed to you know when you succeed you simply repeat what you had done why mess with the recipe when it works so this guy like ruined my whole life at that time and so that was one of the things that really pushed me down so far that i got to a point where i had to push myself up um but i couldn't find him I looked uh, all over Facebook, all over. Um, I could not find him. Uh, and after a couple of days, I just gave up and thought, all right, cool. I'll write him a letter, you know, burn it, <laughs> you know, one of those things. And that way I feel like I got it off my chest. Um, and yeah, you know, when I, when I think back and I talk about it as a tool, I talk about it as a major vehicle in my life, like almost thank God that it happened. You know, some person a while back asked me in a workshop, you know, if I could go back and change things, would I, you know, if I could wave a magic wand and instead of being the picked on kid in school, be the popular one. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because, you know, now not only do I have a life that I really do love, but I get to help other people with it. It's a gift that like, yeah, okay. <laughs> a lot of my life kind of sucked. I'm only 34, right? So I'm going to say over half, and I, I dug myself out of depression at 31, by the way. So, you know, a lot of my life was really painful, but I have the rest of my life that is beautiful and is like set and is only getting even better and better and better because of that, that setup. Right. So, yeah, you know, there you go. It's that whole strength through adversity kind of thing, you know, and yeah, that's great. Um, so scientifically speaking, how does life coaching and meditation benefit us? Like what are some of those things that, um, you can look to science to support a lot of the methods and, um, expertise that you, that you have. Cool. So when we talk about life coaching, I'm only going to talk about my version of it. Okay. Um, which, I created a different name for it so that people get that I'm a different animal. Okay. Um, I call myself an empowerment coach okay. uh, because I work on a, on strictly on the unconscious level, you know, instead of saying like, Hey, you know, write these lists out for yourself every day or tell yourself these affirmations or, you know, go out and talk to a hundred people, you know, these sort of conscious level things. Um, I learned a set of skills that allows me to help a client heal where it matters most inside of their unconscious mind. That's where all of your behavior comes from. That's where, uh, your emotions are. That's where your beliefs, your perceptions, right? You know, perception creates reality, right? That perception is contained within inside of your unconscious mind. Um, and your mind is, well, your central nervous system is broken down into two parts. The sympathetic and parasympathetic. The sympathetic is devoted to revving your body up so that you can be in fast action. It's your fight or flight, right? That control, you know, whenever you're feeling uh, anxious or any of the negative emotions, anger, sadness, fear, hurt, guilt, um, it creates stress in the body and stress in the mind so that you can do something about it, right? 
That's one of the things people think that emo- negative emotions are like punishments. They're not. They're they're notices to you to do something about it. It's your body saying this sucks and is dangerous. Change it. And your body switches over into fight or flight so that you can either punch something or run away. But the problem is that these days, you know, we don't stress out because of like a saber tooth tiger at the door. We stress out because Nancy said some evil shit at the break room. Right. And we don't have anywhere to run and we're hopefully not going to assault anybody. So we sit there in our chairs and we stress. Yeah. So this evolutionary process is it's like no longer useful for most of the times that we feel it. And yet we haven't evolved for the next couple million years in order to get rid of it. So we have to deal with it. But the problem with stress or one of the problems with stress is that it puts your brain into survival mode. So anything that's not necessary for quick survival is turned off. Creativity, strategy, memory, patience, willpower. Um, those are like the big, the big ones, right? But even things like uh, it screws up your diet, right? Because when you're really stressed out, Sean, when you're really stressed out, what would you rather have? A salad? Or like a lasagna or ice cream or a candy bar. I'm going to go for some Jack in the Box, dude, straight up. I'm going Jack in the Box. Yeah, right. There you go. (laughs) Right. 2000 calories in a meal that you're going to be hungry after. Right. Because it's looking for quick energy. You can break down fast and turn it into energy so you can run away. It doesn't think about muscle. It doesn't think about, you know, do you want fat or not? And stress put fat. It stores fat right on your thighs and on your belly. So it does like the worst things to your body and your mind. So when you want to change any part of your life, it's important to think with your parasympathetic uh, parasympathetic part of your brain. Because if you're at work, you want to be even more creative and strategic and patient. You don't want to be reactionary, right? Snapping at people doesn't really help you. So any practice that will help you get more into your parasympathetic nervous system is useful. And by the way, those two parts of you will talk about like the stress part of your brain versus like the strategic creative part of your brain. They fight for resources. So if you have a hundred resources in your brain that you can use it to anything, to creativity, to strategy, to just peace of mind, to chilling out, to falling in love, to, right? Uh, You can devote resources to that or you can devote resources to stressing out. If you have 100 resources and 90 of them are going to stressing out, you have 10 for everything else your body does, including sleeping well, eating right, digesting, thinking straight, running your body in general. So any practice that promotes bringing resources into the parasympathetic, the creative strategic part of your brain is amazing. It lessens your stress, your fear, your anxiety, your worries, your negative emotions, and increases all of the good things that help you in life. Meditation has been shown to be one of the most effective tools to do that. So that's why it's useful, right? Same thing with life coaching, effective life coaching, empowerment coaching, like I do, turns the resources on to your strategic and creative part of your brain. And it keeps it there. So your brain simply doesn't have resources to stressing out, freaking out, getting angry, being sad, feeling hurt or guilty or jealous, right? All the resources are going into creating a business, you know, having fun with your friends, having a beautiful, loving relationship with your partner, just taking a freaking nap on a Sunday, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So that's, that's the real power inherent in those two tools that you were talking about there. And that's the science behind it. So you're, so with what you're talking about, it's, it's also just being mindful of where distress is coming from and where you stress is coming from, recognizing the differences between the two and then trying to focus more on the you stress part of it and seeing it more as a good thing. Um, cause I know that 
recently when I've been listening to some Tim Ferriss, he was talking about the the fundamental difference between like distress and eustress. And eustress is the good thing, right? This is the this is the stress that we feel when we get positive feedback and, and reinforcement for improving ourselves in different ways. And it can seem stressful because it's a challenge, but we know we can overcome that versus the distress, like what you were talking about with uh, be, being chased by a saber-toothed tiger, um, mm-hmm. you know, and some shit that Nancy said at the break room. Um, so, so basically that's what you're talking about, right? Is just recognizing the distress as certain things and then moving into the eustress. I actually don't see a difference between the two because I look at things at an even deeper level. That is useful, certainly. But when you learn how the unconscious mind works and you become aware of the power of beliefs on the mind, then it's all go, it all goes down to beliefs and perceptions and negative emotions. Gotcha. Right? That you know, the reason that the shit that Nancy said in the break room hurts is the same reason that you feel uh, pressure and self-doubt when someone says, hey, why don't you raise your rates by 200% or why don't you go and create a business of your own or like, yeah, you're awesome. Go speak on this huge stage in front of 10,000 people instead of 10. It's the same sort of thing. It's a belief, a limiting belief that is inside of your mind that is creating a an adverse response, right? That when Nancy says, uh, you know, you're good for nothing, maybe you have a belief in you that you're not good enough. So it pushes on that belief. And if that belief is really strong, what Nancy says is really gonna hurt, right? If there's no belief, what Nancy says won't make a difference. Right. So you're good for nothing, you're like, I'm worth everything. (laughs) You don't know who you're talking to, right? Now, when someone says, hey, go speak on this stage in front of 10,000 people instead of just 10. You're a rock star and you're ready for it. And you think, "Ah, I don't know. It could be a thought. I'm not good enough, but it's a different version of that thought. It's like I'm good enough for the level that I'm at, but maybe I'm not good enough for that level. I see. It's the same sort of feeling. And so when you learn how to go in and change that belief and erase that belief from the unconscious mind, then you can erase that stress, right? So... It really doesn't matter. Um, The point is, are you having a response that is limiting you, causing any sort of stress in you that is making you feel any sort of negativity or pain? Um, Whether that's, you know, debilitating or whether that's just preventing you from playing full out, right, from launching your business to the next level or going and talking with that beautiful woman or feeling confident, just feeling good about yourself every day, right? It's all about your beliefs. And so once you know how they work, you can clear yourself of stress at any level. Yeah, that's good. So like um, that, you know, that documentary or whatever, The Secret, right? Yeah. You're You're obviously familiar with that one. Sure. Uh, so what would you say to someone who thinks that mindset has nothing to do with success? It's just a bunch of baloney and all they think about is like the secret in terms of the negative version of it, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. So if we're talking about the secret, the secret is all about mindset, right? That's really what it is. They put it in a very inter- – the movie at least is a very culty, weird sort of thing that I don't know why they created it that way. Um <laughs> I really don't like I saw it. I'm like, wow, this is a ton of bullshit Um, because you can't just have mindset, right? You have to have action as well. So the success equation is success is 80% mindset, 20% mechanics. It's 80% or 20% what you do and 80% how you do it, right? And so for the doubter thinking like, oh, you know, mindset isn't important. What I'd say is great. Convince yourself before your next sales meeting, before your next sales call, that that person already hates you, doesn't want to have anything to do with you, and won't buy from you no matter what. Convince yourself of that and go into the call. Now, if you're listening to this and you think, no, I don't want to do that, then you immediately agree with me that mindset is important. Right? If you say, hey, I can still do it, okay, I challenge you to do that. I double dog dare you to try. Go in there with a failure mindset and see how hard it is to walk out with a success. Because 
it just doesn't work. You know, it's, it's just like, here, here's another uh, example of it. You know, a good friend of yours can say the meanest shit in the world to you. I effing hate you. And you look back at them and go, aw, I hate you too. <laughs> right? Like, you know, guys, we do that all the time. You know, we talk that way. Like women often look as like, I don't even know why you're friends. Like, are you, do you guys even like each other? Like, yeah, like we love each other. What are you talking about? Like you stupid, ugly punk. <laughs> like, let's go get a drink. You know, it's just like part of our language. But someone else who says the same words could cause a huge fight, right? Because it's the mindset behind it that changes the meaning of what you do. You know, and if you say that mindset isn't important, then you clearly don't think that body language is important either. Because remember that your mindset, we're talking about your unconscious thoughts. It doesn't matter what you tell yourself over and over. I'm confident. I'm smart. I'm freaking awesome. I'm a rock star. But if you don't have those beliefs in your unconscious mind, if you think that you're a loser, then your body language will reflect I'm a loser. Okay. And you won't even know it until someone else tells you or shows you, or you'll connect the dots between the results you get. Right. So your mindset, your unconscious beliefs and perceptions control what people hear when you say what you say, what people see when they see you, when they see you move, it changes where you breathe from. It changes the eye contact you make. It changes everything, you know, and don't tell me that people can't feel each other's thoughts. You know, you ever looked at someone's, you know, like I ever looked at the back of someone's head for long enough that they turn and look directly at you. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you ever checked out, you know, some beautiful stranger and all of a sudden they turn and look at like, Ooh, crap. <laughs> like, busted. Right? <laughs> Everybody's got that. And you think, Oh, I'm across a room. How did that person know? We feel each other. We feel each other from a long way away. What do you think we feel? Yeah. You know, there's a thought, there's an attention, there's an intention. And that comes from your mindset that comes from your beliefs and your thoughts. And that's before we get into woo woo stuff like the law of attraction and everything else. Right. That's just when we're talking about basic psychology. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why mindset is all important, you know, that you can have the best, you can have the best sales script in the world. You know, you could have the best production team making you the baddest looking YouTube videos. You can have an entire team putting together stuff on your Instagram. But if people don't feel you, you got nothing. Yeah. You know, so what are some of the ways that we can start to rewire our minds? So hence, hence the name of your business is uh, <laughs> rewire your mind. Um, how, do, how do we, how do we start to do this? How, how are, if we're not ready for a coach yet, mm -hmm. and maybe we know we need a coach, but there's some ways where we want to kind of do some of this on our own. Like what are some of the techniques and some of the different ways that you can tell us like what we can do in order to change some of these limiting beliefs about ourselves. Sure. So uh, the very first thing I would say, I know if you, you said like, if you're not ready, the very first thing I would do is really question that. Yeah. That's number one, because um, look, you know, I tried doing it on my own, you know, reading books and watching YouTube videos and listening to podcasts and all that other stuff, um, or even going to workshops and seminars, but then using the, you know, the techniques on my own. And it took me 13 years. But now with my clients, I help them clear depression within hours, right? 13 years to a couple of hours. I mean, you got, really got to question yourself. How much is that time of yours worth to you? Right. Say you don't have enough money now. Okay, well, can you afford 13 years? Can you? And, and if it's not going to take you that, let's say it takes you a fraction of that, three years to get where you want to go, you know? How, how much time, because all that's opportunity cost too, right? That is money. And, and by the way, money comes back. Time does not. Time is a resource you never get back. And you don't know how much you have, right? I don't want to make this dark, but you really don't. I don't know. You don't know. We don't have time to waste in feeling powerless, in feeling weak or feeling upset or feeling depressed or feeling worthless or feeling unloved when you have a solution, 
right? And the best solution, like I don't really try to learn many things on my own anymore. I go to coaches first thing. Um, but if you're really at a place where it's like, it just can't be done, then a lot of, um, a lot of the really good coaches out there do have free resources, um, or they have more affordable online programs that you can get. Like I have the breakthrough mastery Academy. Um, but I also have a Facebook group that's free and I drop a lot of resources. I do free trainings in there. Um, you're part of that group, right? Yep. Um, and you know, you've been able to ask a question and I've answered you and I've given you a little pointers of like, Hey, look at this, think about this, try this, try that. Um, I teach, uh, techniques in there. Um, and you know, that's a great place, you know, just go on Facebook, look up the breakthrough mastery society and join it's free. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, especially for entrepreneurs who are looking to change their lives, their businesses, and, you know, get back into having even more fulfilling relationships and creating their lives by design rather than being ruled by their businesses. But I also have a podcast that's also free. Um, I do that with uh, Sophie Kessner, who's also another badass coach. And we exactly wanted to do that. We wanted to create a free resource for people where you can go and learn how to rewire your mind. Because a lot of times you read podcasts or watch YouTube videos or even read self-help books and they don't give you the information that you need in order to create an unconscious shift. And so then it just turns to be entertainment, right? When you're looking at this thing and you feel really good for like a couple of days and then you go back to doing what you used to do or feeling how you used to feel. It's like a spiritual cup of coffee, right? It gives you that boost, but afterwards you need another dose. Yep. What happens if you don't have your other dose? Well, then you're screwed. You get into a crash. Right. So we created a podcast for that. Um, and you know, the first 10 or 15 episodes teach you everything you need to know about your unconscious mind in terms of science and woo woo in order to use all the, you know, the things that we need. Look, this is what we did. We took, um, certification courses that both of us used to teach. We broke them down into modules and we're giving it to you for free. This is shit that I used to teach for 5,000 bucks. And I figured F it. And both of us thought when we were creating this, I was like, Oh, we're going to create, we're going to make fights. Like we're going to pick fights with other coaches. They're going to hate us. Good. You know, I'll put a target on my back. I don't care because it's a way for us to up our games too, you know? And so I'm giving, like we're giving stuff away. And there, like right now we're getting to a money module. We just finished a whole thing about relationships and questions to ask yourself and how to shift your perceptions on why you got in the relationship, how to improve it, how to meet each other's needs even, even more, how to have even better sex and intimacy. Um, and we got into, we're getting into a money module of how to rewire your mind so that you can first find your abundance blocks the things that are preventing you from accepting and bringing in even more money and then what to do about them. Um, you know, I, I can teach you a quick process here, but what I'd say is those resources have so much more content than what I can give you on this podcast. Okay. And both of those are free. Okay. Um, the, the podcast is called uh, the mind mastery and manifestation podcast. There we go. So to answer that question, you guys uh, go check out Dan's podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Go check out his podcast and join his Facebook group as well. He's dropping knowledge like every single day. Like it's serious. Like seriously, I go in my, my Facebook and I'll look at notifications. Like Dan just posted in the breakthrough mastery society. I'm like, Oh shit, I'm going to have to go check that out. Um, so, so we kind of alluded to it a little bit. Um, I wanted to touch on the link between the mindset and action and, and, Again, if this goes into the pot into your podcast, let me know. But if you want to expand on it, go ahead. But um, how do we continue to motivate ourselves once that excitement has worn off? Like, right, well, that that stimulation of the spiritual caffeine is kind of worn off. How do we stay in that place of pure drive and keeping the fire lit under asses? Like, how do we how do we keep that motivation going? Sure. So first of all, I think motivation is bullshit. Um, and I think that's why so many people struggle with it. I define motivation as, uh, using willpower to do something you don't want to do. And that's why it wears off, right? Because eventually you run out of willpower, right? Think about, um, going to the gym after a long day's work, you're going to need willpower to do it, right? Cause you're exhausted. You just put in God knows 10, 12 hours of work, and going to the gym just doesn't seem like a lot of fun. 
But if you had a bright and shiny goal of how you want to look and feel like you want to be, you know, you want to walk down the beach and turn heads, whether you're a man or a woman, right? Or whether you want to fit back into your clothes that you have hanging in your closet for the last three years, waiting for the day that you can rock those, you know, rock that suit or throw on that slinky black dress again, right? And you have that and it's in your mind and you know what it looks like and you know what it feels like and you know what it sounds like when people talk to you and you love, you know, you have that visualized inside of your mind. So it feels real and it's, you know, it's enticing and you get the whole thing of what your life will look like, be like, and sound like, and all the senses, right? Where you can drop into that reality. That's a meditation, by the way, I just described a, a really you know, a meditation that I teach quite often. I did this actually at the event as well. If you were there in the mornings, um, that you create this scene inside your head that brings out these incredible emotions, you know, of, uh, like, like for me, you know, a couple months ago, like in November, um, I got anemia and then my liver kicked out, then my kidneys kicked out, and my adrenals kicked out, my body filled with toxins, I couldn't get out of bed, I'd lost about 12 pounds in a week, all of my muscle fell off of me. And I was weaker than I'd ever been in my entire life, I, I could not get up. Um, and my body reset, I didn't work out for five or six months. Now I'm going back to the gym again. Um, but I went, but like all my clothes were literally falling off of me. Um, and I went down to a weight that I had not weighed since high school. And I was used to being, you know, jacked ripped guy. Um, and so what I started doing, what I do now just about every day is get back into that, uh, meditation and see, you know, part of it is what I want my body to feel like and look like. And I can make it feel real to me. And it's so exciting to have that. It feels so good that even when I'm tired, I go to the gym because I'm inspired. I don't rely on motivation anymore to do anything that I do. I get inspired because inspiration, that's love. You know, when you love where you're going, you love that goal you're working on. You love who you are, what you'll have, and the impact that you'll have on the people around you, your family, your friends, what you'll be able to create in your life. You'll never need motivation ever again. That inspiration will carry you. And as long as you keep that love burning and you do that by just focusing on it, and you can add variety too, change things up a little bit, right? Have it expand as you expand, right? So if we're going back to the, the body and the you know working out example, you know, one meditation could be just really feeling and being there on the beach when you're turning heads. Another one could be, I don't know if you want to compete in something or, you know, walking into, uh, walking into an office, looking like James Bond and feeling like you own the room. Right. Or walking up on stage in that dress, you know, whatever you got, whatever you're wearing, whatever you are, you're a complex creature. And when you can hit on that meditation, when you can create that inspiration coming from various different sources, you'll never run out of inspiration and you'll never need motivation again. Love it. Love it. Um, so my last question here is, uh, how can we stop complaining about things that are out of our control and how do we rewire our brains to think more positively about what we can control? So when we're talking about what you can or can't control, let's be very clear. Anything that's happening in you can be controlled because some people think, oh, I can't control how angry I get. Yes, you can. You just right. haven't learned how. Right. Right. I can't control my depression. This is what I thought, too. Yes, I could. I just didn't know how. Right. But there are some things you can't control. Right. I can't control what's happening in Syria right now. Right. But I have had a lot of times people are saying, oh, when I read the news, there's so much out there and I feel so despondent. I feel so helpless and so small. I can't do something about this. Right. So when we're talking about that, let's 
let's talk about that. So anything in you, anything that you feel or think can be controlled. Right. Anything that's happening out of you might not be controllable by you, right? Sometimes things can be, sometimes things can't. You cannot control other people. You simply cannot. You can try, but there's no assurances. And so what I would say is to focus on your sphere of influence. And it can be really small. Maybe your sphere of influence is just you, just controlling how you think and feel on a day-to-day basis. Maybe your sphere of influence is your family or your business, your colleagues, right? The things immediately around you. And, you know, wherever you are in your career, wherever you are in your life, your sphere of influence may be bigger, maybe smaller. It's not important. But when you focus on that, see if everybody focused on their spheres of influence, because we all interact, right? We're all whatever, six degrees separation from each other, right? If we focused on our spheres of influence and improving not just us, but improving the situation of the people around us to really help each other to love each other and accept each other and be grateful for each other and support each other in our own personal developments and our business developments and our love life relationships and everything like that, then we would change the entire world. So you might not be able to affect something happening in Syria, but you might be able to change something here and you might be able to help someone who might be able to help someone who might be able to help someone who has political influence. Right. And so if we all thought about it that way, I'm convinced we'd be able to change the whole world. Right. But it's got to start with you, how you feel and how you think and how you operate in your life, because sadness is contagious. Being upset is contagious. Negativity is contagious. But so is positivity. The question is, which one is stronger? Right. Where is your will even stronger? to make your life even better every day or to keep it the same or allow it to get worse. When your will is to make everything even better for yourself and for the people around you and your will is steel, this is what's happening. This is what I accept in my life and nothing less. Then that becomes contagious too. That's why I love conversations like this. So like when you, when, when people have people like you around Dan, like when they have, uh, you know, friends and supportive people who are inherently positive, it is so much better. That sphere of influence that you're talking about makes all the difference in the world. And I have a fiance who's supportive and positive and, and awesome. And, and then I have, you know, like I said, friends like you who are just really cool to have around and be able to talk and, oh, thanks, you, know, man. you know, all that kind of stuff. And then of course, being in the breakthrough mastery society, like, um, seeing that stuff come through and just, and I cleared out my Facebook recently. I went through and unfriended some people that either never talked to or whatever. And, Mm -hmm. and then I unfollow the people who I may want to stay in touch with, but don't want to see their content every single day because (laughs) right. Not all of it is beneficial because it's not adding value to my life. It's not, it's not making me feel any better about myself or making me feel any better about the world or politics or anything like that. It's just a lot of negatively charged emotion coming through on Facebook. And I really encourage people if you're on Facebook and you are going through the, some of the stuff that I have, like go unfollow some people who are just negative, (laughs) just unfollow those negative influences. And then actually what I've done is I've prioritized Dan's updates um, as well as Abby's updates. Abby is um, was Dan's co-host for the um, Lifestyle Hackers event, and so I've, as well as Lauren too. I've actually, uh, mm-hmm. I've made all all three of them. I've made their post come to the top of my feed. So every time I open Facebook, your guys's content is what I see first. Just so that, <laughs> awesome. just so that, and Lewis House and some other people too. But like. Just making sure that I see positive things that are going to make me feel better about my life and and what's going on in the world so that I'm not starting my day off with negative emotions. Because I know myself, I know I'm going to be opening up Facebook first thing in the morning when I wake up. That's that's just the first (laughs) thing I'm going to do. So I took control of what I see in my newsfeed instead of blaming everyone for all the negative stuff that they post. So... What I have control over is my own newsfeed. 
And that's what people need to remember. Um, but um, I wanted to ask you for the listeners when they want to get in touch with you or if they want to reach out and get more of Dan, um, some of the bla- best places to connect with Dan would be Instagram, and that's Dan Mendelo. It's at D-A-N-M-E-N-D-I-L-O-W, Dan Mendelo. So you can go follow him on Instagram. And then, as we mentioned several times throughout this podcast episode, he's got a Breakthrough Mastery Society Facebook group. So just go on Facebook and search for Breakthrough Mastery Society. And then when you uh, try to join the group, and then once you're accepted in and everything, uh, make sure you let the group know that I sent you. You came from my podcast and everything. Um, And the special surprise that I'm going to have Dan elaborate on a little bit further is a free guide. So it's a free ebook that he's going to be launching here soon. Um, It should be available by the time this podcast is up. Uh, So Dan, can you go ahead and explain what this guide is for and and why you've created it? Yeah. So this is, I mean, I wrote this with entrepreneurs in mind. Right. Entrepreneurs, business owners, because you're the people who I see as the influencers of the world. Right. You're the movers and shakers. You create ideas and spread ideas. And uh, it's just amazing to see other entrepreneurs and business owners grow. And the problem is that, you know, when you're creating a business by yourself, as you know, Sean, you know, you can work these 10, 12 hour days every day and it starts wearing on you. And real quick, stress can build up real fast. And it's not like it just turns off when you stop working and it can interfere with your sleep and all sorts of things can fall by the wayside. You feel like your relationships might be starting to fall apart. Maybe you're feeling even more distant from your friends, your loved ones, because you're working so much or you're feeling maybe that because of the stress and the pressure of the job that you can't take vacations, you can't relax fully that even when you go out, you know, even if you try to have brunch with friends, part of your mind is in the office and there's so much in there. You know, you have such a drive to help people, but at the same time, there might be self-doubt about where your business is going or will you be able to take it to the next level or are you doing the right things? Or maybe your business is doing great, but it's not fulfilling anymore. Like your mind is on to like, well, you know, I have this awesome business, but what about my life? You know, am I even happy about where I am in life right now? It feels like there might be something missing. And, you know, maybe you have turned to podcasts or you've turned to YouTube videos, listening to, you know, ebooks on in the car or whatever. But, you know, that's just another spiritual cup of coffee that's not really helping. So I created this guide to help you get real methods that work because that's one of the things that. I'm really good at is helping people very quickly identify those limiting beliefs, those emotions, those negative emotions that are holding you back from creating your life by your design and helping you clear them. And so this guide, it's called the seven step system to rewire and master your mind. And it is the full breakdown of the seven steps that I guide all of my clients through that I went through to heal my depression, that they've gone through. I've had clients who have um, quintupled their income because of this system. Um, I've had real estate agents who went from selling nothing to $3 million in four months in real estate, actually over $3 million in real estate from using this system. People have uh, erased their own depression or fallen back in love, reinvigorated their business using, using this system. So I put it into, I think it's a 26 page, uh, guide Very nice. that will be free for you to check out so that you can start doing this work yourself. Love it. Love it. So you will be able to get that free guide. Again, it's free. 26 pages of just a shit ton of value that <laughs> that Dan has uh, decided to put together for you. Um, and it is bit.ly 
DM free guide. That's bit.ly slash DM, like Dan Mendelo, free guide bit.ly slash DM free guide. So you can download that and get all that good stuff. Um, so thank you so much for being on the show, man. But I've got one final question. And uh, that is, what is your image saying about you today? Yeah, my image is saying that I am um, loosening up on I used to have this very formal sort of image. And you'll see that I'm, I'm working on that in all my marketing and my social media and everything is just kind of being more chilled. You know, I used to wear suits all the time when I was working with people and now I wear jeans and, you know, I have a client coming in in about nine minutes. I don't think I'm going to change out of this t-shirt, this black t-shirt that I'm wearing. (laughs) I think I'm just going to roll with it. Um, And just kind of allowing myself to really be fully me and see who I really am instead of putting on this front of being super polished um, and, you know, kind of businessy. Um, that's really the, the motion that I'm making right now in like all my life is just being, you know what, I'm just me all the freaking time. I talk like me all the freaking time. I dress like me all the freaking time. Sometimes it's a little bit more cash and sometimes it's a little bit more dressy, but like, you know, I'm not a different person when I'm in business or when I'm working with my clients because they, I realize that they want to see me, they want to see who I am. And so I think my style lately really reflects that kind of fun, casual, easygoing kind of confidence that I think is a part of my trademark. Yeah. And you can hear it in your voice too. I mean, it's, it, it really has a huge impact on the way we are perceived and the way we show up to the world and everything like that. So it it all depends on the situation, right? Sure. Depends, you know, when you, when you got a client coming in, you you just want them to see you um, for who you are because they're going to be revealing things about yourself or about themselves rather. and they want to feel like they can be vulnerable. And if you're wearing like a full suit and everything and they're trying to be vulnerable, it's going to look like it's going to make them feel like they can't really talk to you. Right. <laughs> exactly. So it, it makes a lot of sense. But anyway, thanks again so much for coming on the show, Dan. I really appreciate your time and, and everything that you're doing. I, I appreciate your service to other people and helping people grow and develop and become the greatness that they really are. And that's why I love our businesses and, and how we'll, we'll be working together in the future future because we we make people extraordinary and that's what it's all about so i appreciate you hell yeah man i appreciate you right back man this is a lot of fun i really hope that uh we added some serious value for your listeners uh but yeah man this is a real pleasure yeah thank you for having me on you got it dude until next time take care all right brother Thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of the New Inspiration Extraordinary Gentleman podcast. If you enjoyed the content, give it a like, subscribe, and if you know someone who needs to hear this or wants to hear this, share it with them. Don't hold back. Let them hear it. And if you have any questions for me or my guest, we'd love to answer those questions for you. So shoot me a tweet, DM me on Instagram, leave a comment below on YouTube, or find me on Facebook. If you have Anchor FM, you can message me on my station. The username is at New Inspiration, N-U-I-N-S-P-I-R-A-T-I-O-N. And as always, make the rest of today extraordinary, gentlemen.